Welcome to B2B Marketers on the Mission, a podcast for B2B marketers that helps you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. Each week, we talk to B2B marketing experts who share inspirational stories, discuss their thoughts on trending topics, and provide useful marketing tips and recommendations. And now, here's your host and co-founder of I'm Like Consulting, Christian Klepp. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the B2B Marketers in the Mission podcast, where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. This is your host, Christian Klepp, and today I am joined by someone on a mission to solve the problem of B2B revenue attribution. So coming to us from Copenhagen, Denmark, Mr. Stefan Hedebrandt. Let me see if I can get this right. Hi, or welcome. <laughs> that was welcome really good, show. Christian. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Pretty good Danish all... uh, got there. Thank you. I, I could almost be Danish, right? Almost. <laughs> almost, yeah. The name could even go, I would say. Yeah, and uh, and, and I know what I know what Huga is, right? That's also important. <laughs> Very important. Yeah. <laughs> super cool, Chris. All right. Um, great to have you on the show, Stefan. And I mean, this is a super important topic in B two B marketing. So let's uh, let's get this conversation uh, started, no? Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. So, Stefan, you're clearly a very data driven. Uh, B2B marketer who's passionate about everything that's linked to driving revenue. So in our previous conversation, I remember you talking about something that I believe is super important uh, for B2B marketers to understand, and that's how to mm. map the customer journey towards revenue. So I think that last part is is very crucial, right? So towards revenue. Yeah. So talk to us about why you think that's so important. So good question, Chris. Uh, I think in in general the if you want to kind of <laughs> repeat what's working if you want to scale the good stuff and and stop the bad stuff uh then it's important to know what's work like uh, which path do the accounts that you win uh, take towards becoming a customer so this sounds fairly simple but you know of all the activities you do uh, unfortunately most stuff actually do not end up becoming uh, deals you win and revenue you you generate so that's why it's so important to be looking at the accounts that do take a path all the way through your sales pipeline and you win them and uh, typically you'll be trying to look for p things that are uh, repeatable stuff you can do again uh, whether that's a webinar or a video or a click on an ad or certain things you want to be identifying all those uh, all those stuff that are consistently present when you win deals or it could be like a demo call or stuff like that. So look, simply speaking, we just want to try to understand when we do win deals or when we at least generate sales opportunities, which activities did they go through and, and can we do more of them? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. It On the surface, it does sound very simple. It's like, <laughs> you know, as a, as a marketer, you look at that and say, well, of course you should be doing that way, but I, I think, and that's also part of the reason I, I, I'm assuming your, your company exists because in reality, yeah. it doesn't always work that way, right? No. You get, you get, there's, 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 there's distractions because as we know, especially, um, and I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. I feel marketing has evolved into something that's actually highly complex, right? Because as marketers, you're kind of expected to know everything. Is, is, yeah. Right? So... <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah, so we can just open the box a little bit to why this is uh, sure. not as simple as it sounds. And um, so I come from a B two B background. I've never actually been working with uh, with B two C companies. So as a listener, you should also be you should know that this is my, how my world looks like. And I've mainly been working in companies where like the digital part has been playing. Uh, the main uh, part of the company so it's a highly digital uh, b2b go-to-market kind of thinking that i have but um so just a couple of weeks back we released some benchmarks from dream data where we looked at, uh, at the average customer journey of i think around 400 accounts uh, with us and what we found there was that um, the average b2b customer journey had from first touch to being one 192 days in between it had 32 touches and more than two people were always involved when people win deals. And these things, when you start saying these things, then it gets more complex uh, to, to understand what's going on. Um, this, is, uh, this is numbers from when Dream Data have done all the hard work of collecting all the data from the different data silos that it lives, lives within. So a B2B company would hopefully have a CRM system. It would have a marketing automation tool. It might have a customer success tool. It might it might have a, an outreach tool. It will have ad platforms. It will have a website and eBooks and all these things. And typically all these things generate data into like a point solution into like a, a data silo. And it gets very hard to understand what's actually going on. Even if you are just to stitch together the journey of one account, but if you know, typically you're dealing with tens or hundreds of thousands of, account, of accounts simultaneously. <laughs> so it becomes very, very complex uh, from a data point of view, actually, to understand just this one account, who is associated with this, what are they doing in each of our tools? And you know, uh, you can easily be deceived by some things that looks to be starting a lot of journeys, but if there's never a a revenue component along with it, then it's actually not a good activity. But there are so many ways that this, uh, <laughs> it can be very, uh, like what I started explaining simply can be actually be quite hard to do because it's not just uh, that easy to get an overview of a, of a customer journey. Does that make sense, uh, Chris? Yes, 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 absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, I think the word is uh, overwhelming. Right, because <laughs> there's just so many things happening. Um, you know those those statistics you brought up are incredibly interesting. So 192 days. I, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. I mean, definitely, you're talking about the the cycle or the decision making process. Um, you know, uh, lasting or or it takes a matter a, a couple of months, right? We're not even talking weeks, mm. months, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, because um, I, and I think you've seen that report by Gartner about the B two B buyer's journey, right? It's yeah, not linear; it's, it's all over the place, no? Yeah. Um, Thirty two touches was interesting because um, I saw a post on LinkedIn uh, the other day, um, and it was for from uh, a research from Forrester. They were saying at least twenty seven. Mm. So thirty two <laughs> so is not already completely off as well. Yeah, yeah, it's not completely off, but you know, it it, it kind of swings between twenty seven to thirty two, right? In terms of the touches, yeah. and again. I think it was also to your point. It really also depends on the organization. Uh, it depends on the industry yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's so it's so um, it's so broad, right? Yeah, I think the conclusion remains the same. That yes, expect complexity in B two B, 
And what uh, I think this is important to recognize that because all the tools that we marketers use every day, um, the Google Analytics, Google Ads, LinkedIn Ads, Facebook Ads, etc., all of these platforms are really not good at explaining what takes place in a B2B context. They are built to actually understand a B2C scenario. Like one person clicks this ad, comes to your website, purchase this shoe. <laughs> it's not built to understand this person started the journey, then he had a boss, then they had some quality insurance, then the CFO joined the journey, etc. So when you look at your ad spend uh, in, in, as, as a B2B marketer in, in these platforms, you have the cost component and the activity, which is the click on the ad, but you don't have the revenue component because the CRM system sits on this. So you can't, in the same e-commerce kind of way, compare uh, cost to, to revenue. You'll need to... yeah use a, perhaps a tool to this, or at least know that you should think about the numbers you're looking at uh, differently, or maybe you can establish a, a proxy metric for what could become revenue later on. Typically, you know, a very early stage met, uh, proxy metric could be a newsletter sign up, but at better perhaps a demo call and uh, maybe even later on a sales meeting as well. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? So yes, yes, yes. you want to be like find ways to kind of, if you cannot connect the full journey, then you can at least connect a step in the journey that is right. uh, further down than just uh, just the click and the cost. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, uh, some of the things you've brought up in the past couple of minutes, that was a great segue into the next question. Because the next <laughs> question and I'm sure... I'm sure you will have no problem answering this, um, but like the common mistakes and misconceptions you've seen out there, and more yeah. specifically with the to, back to the topic of um, uh, mapping the customer journey towards revenue. So, what are some of these mistakes that you've seen, and how should these be addressed? You know, like a typical rant would be that people, you know, care too much about collecting leads, because. I think uh, per my own experience as well, uh, you know, you can run ebook ads on, on LinkedIn and get people to download the uh, the ebook, but it's still pretty damn far from becoming a, a deal that you absolutely, win. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and uh, a, download, a download doesn't specify intention to buy, right? No, no not at all. Um, yeah. And so, like this, it, it's this thing about you have to recognize that just because they do the first step of the journey does not necessarily mean that they will do the last step of the journey. Yeah. Uh, a different example of this is that on our page, we have a bug bounty program. That page actually converts people into emails quite good, but it's because it's those bug bounty people who come in and they convert because they wanna make some, uh, some dollars for finding a bug in our system. None of those actually go on and become sales pipeline or, or you know deals we win. So you can generate all the emails in the world, but if, if they're not really actually your ideal customer profile, then you're probably never going to make any money out of it. Uh, another stat or benchmark, if you want, uh, that are quite interesting to, to talk about as well is that Typically, when you ask people about their customer journey, what they're actually often referring to is their sales journey. How long does that take? Because uh, we can see across all our accounts that 
the known and unknown time uh, or like the research phase versus the identified phase is typically the, the same length. So if your salespeople are normally saying that our customer journey in our company is three months, then that probably means that the, the user has actually spent or the, the company has spent another three months just doing research about you. And this matters a whole lot when you're trying to, you know, get together a budget for how are we going to hit the revenue we need this year? Or I'm trying to understand if my experiment is working or not. <laughs> then if you get that uh, like measurement off wrong with, uh, with three months, then you might risk stopping stuff that is working well or stop stuff uh, like continue stuff that you should have stopped uh, a long time ago. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I love the points that you brought up. In, in, in fact, I think it would almost merit a separate podcast episode just on the <laughs> just on the topic of collecting leads, right? Yeah, we keep, we keep seeing this, and uh, you know, and I suppose it's also partly because of the systems that were set up that you know marketers and salespeople are pressured to collect as many leads as possible. So it's this whole playing the volume game. Um, mm. But as you just mentioned um, earlier on in the conversation. The process is long, right? Absolutely. And, and more often than not, um, a lot of these guys are just giving up too early in the piece, which means mm. it's one thing to collect the leads. Uh, you would probably even argue collecting the leads is the easy part, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the, yeah 100%. It's the, it's the part about nurturing the leads that eventually leads them to conversion, right? To become a paying customer. That's the hard part. Yeah, right? yeah. I think also like uh, another... Uh, Another thing is kind of, you know, in these companies where the, the, the divide between marketing and sales becomes too large, uh, that's when you're really going to have the problems because like for, for marketers, the best way to improve the return on your ad spend is to, to be good friends with the salespeople <laughs> because you can produce as many sales qualified leads as you want. But if the salespeople are not actually picking up the phone and speaking to the leads that you produced, there's never going to be a revenue component to, to your work. And, on, and on, on the other side, if you're like, if you're a salesperson and you're annoyed by the material that marketing produces for you, well, then it's also your duty to go into the marketing room right. and tell them, look, these are the accounts that I like to speak with. They convert faster. They're of a higher yeah. quality. Yeah. Uh, or we consistently gets get being told these five or 10 questions. And I always have to explain this to people because there's no information about it on our mm, website. Mm, mm, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like right. these things that you're consistently meeting in the market, make sure to go to tell that to your marketers because then they can produce material that are not like one-to-one, -one, but one-to-many uh, instead. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so uh, to your point, it's to bridge this disconnect, right? Or to or, or to yeah. um, to bridge that gap, because what you're talking about is clearly that there's a gap being created between the two sides or, you know, they're not working together, they're not talking to yeah. each other, then there's exactly. a disconnect, the, the salespeople end up not using the materials made by marketing because they don't find it useful, right? Yeah, so those kinds of things. Yeah, no, those are those are really interesting. Uh, those, those are really important insights. Talk to us about a, uh, you probably had many, but like talk to us about one challenge that you and your team have managed to solve in the past 12 months uh, related yeah. to customer journeys. <laughs> I think we experienced a little bit this like classic thing with the, that smaller accounts can be just as hard to win as larger accounts. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. And uh, 
this has kind of been something that we've also been, you know, slowly realizing, at least for a tool of our nature, that you want to have a lot of stakeholders using the product. Because when contract renewal is, has come up and, you know, what your one stakeholder has left the account, then it's going to be a tough situation to renew the contract. It's also just from a, the more you spend, the more value you also get out of, a, a, you know, a, an attribution tool like ours. And for us, that also correlates with us being able to, you know, um, you know, charge a higher fee. But if the account is larger, then it's relatively not as expensive. So I think it's this realization that we probably want to like shift our ICP a bit upwards. Uh, and to do so, uh, speaking of the customer journey, we've also shifted the, you could say the, um, the you know acquisition strategy a bit as well from being very uh, Google search ads heavy and uh, to more using matched accounts on LinkedIn where you can kind of upload a list of accounts that fits your ideal customer profile and then you can run ads towards them. It's not as click driven as the Google search ad, which means it's also a bit harder to prove that it's working. But we're going with the notion that if people work in these accounts and they are marketers here, then the value of them just seeing our ads must be worth it. These accounts are then larger than our traditional accounts has been so far. You were talking about the uh, you know this this challenge that you guys faced and the, this yeah. LinkedIn uh, this this approach with the LinkedIn ads, and I just wanted to know mm. how you um, how you came up with that approach. Like what what was the data telling you that you came to that conclusion that you. You should use this approach. It's better to have a larger account because mm -hmm. you know the value we bring will naturally be larger and we'll get to work with more people and a, right. a company that has more resources to also act upon the information that we, we give them. Okay. Yeah, I think in general, kind of this uh, ideal customer profile focus has just been very valuable for us. It's also Speaking of like the data, we, you know, some of the, the first accounts that we signed, uh, they have also churned. Uh, yeah. And we've found out that there is such a thing as an ideal customer profile also for our yes. company. And what that means is that uh, it's like who's willing to pay for your product, but also who's going to be happy for being a customer with, with you. Because if you're in a subscription business like ours, it's not enough that you're a good salesperson that can push the right. first deal through. You also need to be able to renew the contract. Right. And we, we initially sold to a couple of large um, hardware manufacturers. And what we experienced with them is that, that even though they might have a significant ad spend digitally, the sales model would be like resellers and channel sales. And from an attribution perspective, that's uh, that, that can be a challenge because you have a lot of cost, but it can be hard to understand where the products actually end up uh, in the end, which led to those being harder to renew and us spending time and resources on somebody who might actually not be a good fit for our long-term uh, development. So that was definitely <laughs> one place where the data was just telling us to uh, you know, save your time and resources and go in a, in a different uh, direction. No, exactly, exactly. No, thanks for uh, thanks for elaborating on that further. I thought that was really interesting. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? 
Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. You're probably not going to have any problem answering this question, but the importance of actually having the right strategy and conducting the right research, right? Before you um, create uh, or map the customer journey, can you talk to us about that? Yeah, if you go back to the kind of thinking on uh, ideal customer profile, I think this is uh, something that should be strategically aligning your whole company. You should agree upon uh, like and have inputs from sales, from marketing, from product, uh, customer success, etc. on who's really the ideal people for us to work with. And then we need to, you know, from a marketing point of view, focus on starting journeys with these companies. Salespeople should then also, like you will always get leads that are not good fits, but you should make sure that your salespeople only work on the accounts or try to sell to the accounts that looks to be uh, like somebody who looks like they will be a happy customer with you. Your product team should then also only be spending their resources on trying to build product for those who you want to be your ideal customer profile. And if you can see your, all your CS resources is actually going into <laughs> somebody who's not fitting what your strategy really is, then the whole company just gets uh, mis misaligned. So I think it's like, you know, a customer journey is also like you touch pretty much any department in a company through a, a customer life, <laughs> life, uh, life cycle. And that one needs to be rooted in a, in a certain strategy. And then every part of it should also go into like, like fitting that customer duty. Right. No, exactly. Exactly. What, what about external uh, validation or rather what I mean is like also, um, you know, of course you talk to your sales and your customer success and so forth, but what about yeah. doing these, uh, this research with existing customers or prospects? I think that'd be important too, right? Yeah. So. So we are also kind of one of these venture funded companies. And when, when you're, when you are that you also need to, to be able to, to paint a fairly large market, mm. preferably like a, a billion dollar market yeah. in, in some way. Yeah. So that was also kind of, as we, now we say our ideal customer profile is a B2B software as a service company. But before we dared settling on that, we needed to, you know, validate with macro data that can we actually identify enough accounts here to actually build a really large company? Mm -hmm. So what we practically did was we did like two things. One, we looked at how many, or like for the biggest CRM systems out there, how many of those would have B2B customers? That painted a really large market. Uh, I think it was like 22 trillion or something like that. And then being how more much? concerned. 22 trillion? No, a billion probably. Oh, billion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's still pretty big. And, <laughs> yeah. And then we then said, okay, if we didn't really narrow and just look at B2B SaaS companies, yeah. we could still find like 40,000 accounts out there that like, you know, if we can win 5% of that market at our current deal size, we've built a really, really large company. That's so those macro data was part of confirming yeah. that it, you can build a big company here. And then we typically wouldn't be targeting the marketing departments of these companies. And then through our customer, our early stage customers, we knew that we were solving a big problem for them. And I also 
myself come from a B2B marketing background. So I, I know how big a pain uh, this problem is and how much money can be wasted if you don't recognize it. And, you know, but the potential upside is also huge if you do understand it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 40,000. That's a, that's a quite a substantial amount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish uh, we could yeah. speak to all of them at once. Yeah. Well, you'll, you'll get there. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We get to the part in the conversation, uh, Stefan, where we're talking about actionable insights. And I know a lot yeah. of the things that you spoke about um, in this conversation are not things you can do like, you know, overnight, but mm. there are some immediate steps that you can take to improve the way you map customer journeys towards revenue. So what are those steps? What are those quick wins and what should marketers focus on? Yes. So I think like in general, uh, you can only kind of analyze what you can measure. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that if your companies are as such not generating any digital reflections of your activities, it's going to be hard to add, do any customer journey analysis. So think about all the activities that your, your go-to-market team does and consider whether generates a digital touch today and whether you actually get you know get that touch stored somewhere so simple example if if your salespeople are just using their phone and dialing today well then it's very hard to understand the effectiveness of this phone call but if they used a you know a, a calling software they can just click, press click from in that application and then it leaves a note on this day you talk to this person from this account for this long then you start to generate some data there. The same thing goes if you ship emails through a tool that is not able to actually store, you know, who received the email, which account do they belong to, et cetera. Then it's very hard to understand that. And, and so you can continue, uh, like just making sure that every single thing that you do actually leaves a digital trace. And this is kind of an exercise you want to, you have to start it before you need it because it's going to take some time to build <laughs> build this uh, this data then you, if you go like a super low practical high quality thing you can do is always to do uh, uh, post sales interviews or like post sales questions send a mail uh, or book a meeting with those who just bought and talk through the sales process or like the buying process and get them to anecdote where did you find us? What were you looking for? What was good? What was bad, etc. And then you can sort of, if, if you do a couple of those, then you pretty quickly find some repeatable patterns in activities that you can go back and uh, and do more of. And you'll probably also find stuff that you can uh, just improve. Uh, demo call button didn't work. It was hard to get in touch with you, <laughs> etc. Yeah, no, those are some really great points. And I love I, I love that one, uh, the first one you brought up, like start it before you need it, right? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit uh, yeah, annoying that, that that is the case, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> you yeah. have to. Yeah, no, but otherwise you're just going to be reactive, right? And then reactive, yeah. we all know it's it's the complete time waster, right? If you are doing everything, things It is kind of the best place, time to plant the tree was uh, 20 years ago. And uh, <laughs> the second yeah. best time is now. Right. Oh, I did remember you saying that. That's uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's that is uh, that is a quote that is so appropriate for your industry. I think any industry, to, to be honest. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but uh, no, those are some great tips. And um, 
on to the next question, which I think is directly correlated because, you know, we're talking about metrics. So what metrics should marketers focus on to make sure that what they're doing is working? And this is um this is an interesting question, um you know, that I'm posting to a guy who is, uh, you know, whose core expertise is around uh, revenue attribution, which you, you're, you're yeah. probably, your answer is going to be like, okay, well, how much time do you have? But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very true, Christian. But, but no, it's, uh, yeah. I think it's actually, so it's so popular to say that markets should be measured on revenue and, and they should, but most companies don't have actually enough velocity to be properly measured on that. So you need to find a metrics where, you know, there's enough velocity coming through every month. Uh, and for me, that's kind of is, we call it a sales acceptable lead, which means that somebody booked a demo call and they fit uh, our ideal customer profile. So because this is a process that you as a marketer can be pretty much in 100% control of. Whereas like you cannot be in complete control of whether the salespeople gets the deal signed, that the AE had, had a bad day when that perfect lead came in and so forth. So for something you can like proactively control, I would suggest to like look at something like a sales acceptable lead, which would be leads that fits your ideal customer profile. Okay. Okay. I think that's, uh, that's, that's, that's definitely fair enough. Um, okay. Uh, some top uh, industry trends or shifts that you've seen in the market that could directly impact the way marketers are mapping customer journeys. Maybe maybe the top three trends that you've seen. <laughs> Tough one, but uh, we, this week we just put out some new benchmarks on uh, the shift in ad spend. And uh, I saw so that we, one. Yeah. yeah, we have. So we we know we have like in total we have like a thousand accounts or something like that, and we could see that more than 50% uh, since this year has uh, shut down their Facebook ads and uh, a bit less ha have shut down their LinkedIn ads, but only a few people have stopped their Google ads. So I think like in trend wise, people are like, they are fleeing, fleeing from these uh, uh, top funnel, uh, hard to measure channels and finding a safe harbor in the Google search ads where you at least can control what does the keyword say and what's the intention behind a click on, on this keyword. Yeah, I did see that post. That was incredibly interesting. Um, yeah, yeah so I think that's a big shift. And hopefully yeah. then uh, there's also this big movement of, uh, which I think is a good movement, and then people start to, to talk about uh, when should we do a demand generation and when yeah. should we try to, to capture demand uh, instead and you know back in the day you would call some of it branding and some of it marketing etc blah 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 <laughs> but I think it's important to remember that there's just a limit to amount of demand capture you can do right now so you need to go out and run uh, advertising in front of people who look like they are likely customers so Hopefully, they can become customers at a later point. And part of this is also recognizing that you don't just need to generate uh, a thousand or 10,000 emails. You need to generate uh, 200 highly qualified uh, sales leads. And then that also means that if you can stop running those cat videos on Facebook <laughs> and then 
doing something a little bit more conservative, right on point on yeah. what you're actually what you're actually doing. Uh, so those that do convert actually come through with the with the right intention. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, the cat videos I probably wouldn't recommend for B2B, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Might give you a lot of emails, but it will not give you a lot of uh, of, of revenue. Yeah, or, or 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 impressions. Like, look how many people looked at this. But then at the end of the day, yeah. it's like, okay, but then converted sales is nil. Then uh, it's probably not a very good sign, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, so this next question: <clears throat> a status quo in your area of expertise that you disagree with and why i think uh, yeah so let, let's go back to the the ad platforms uh the google the facebook the linkedin yep the b2b marketers really 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 need to recognize that they have no clue about the value of the clicks that they provide you with so you need to find ways to understand the value of the traffic that you are acquiring whether that's sending conversions back into the ad platforms or whether that's to have a, a go-to-market data platform like ours uh, that can actually explain you the clicks, uh, the value. Uh, that, that's up to people. But do know that when all the money you spend inside of these platforms, you need somewhere else to actually understand uh, whether it's valuable or not. And uh, I think it's not being talked about enough because the ad platforms have no clue about what's happening in a b2b's uh, <laughs> crm system well i mean and it goes back to a point um uh, a previous guest of mine brought up right that these platforms don't actually understand your business right no and, and not at all and these salespeople, uh take your pick whichever company it is right they are incentivized to upsell their services to you right yeah because that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how they get that's how they get compensated. So I have seen uh, I've seen there were situations where uh, you know you would look inside of Facebook ads and it would look like a huge success, and then you open Google ads and then would be like, whoa, okay, Google whoa. says it has zero value, and yeah. like who's right? Yeah, I think that depends on you. As you say, there they have the, each of their motivations to 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 tell different stories. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I mean, that's that's how they're incentivized, right? They're incentivized to sell you as a as a company, a kind of a service or a package, right? Yeah. Whether you need it or not is probably a different story. <laughs> mm. right. Okay. No, fantastic. So, Stefan, um, you know, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, so, quick intro to yourself and how people out there can get in touch with you. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm Stefan and one of the, the co-founders of, uh, of Dream Data. Uh, I'm the CMO, so anything marketing-related questions, people are very like welcome to, to hit me up on LinkedIn and I'll, I'll definitely reply, reply there. Fantastic, fantastic. So Stefan, uh, thanks so much <laughs> for coming on the show. Um, wait, let me see what was in, in Danish. Uh, tak, right? Tak. <laughs> Perfect, Chris, yeah. <laughs> Really good. The 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 actor um the actor that played uh, Ivar the Boneless in uh, Vikings is Danish, right? So exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. does that quite well. Yeah. <laughs> but um, thanks again for your time. So take care. Uh, stay safe and uh, talk to you soon. See you, Chris. Thank you for now. All right. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B two B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co. And be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.